Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Good morning everybody. And welcome to the silliest of silly season events. And I apologize for, for the technical problems. Um, I haven't been a remote for so long that, um, when Craig sort of gave me all this exotica to get onto, um, it just, I just failed. So hopefully everything will be fine. So I'm going to go ahead and probably take to the end my guest who is a seasoned journalist. And perhaps I will ask her to fill in the blanks because I've lost them. Welcome, Paddy Clay. Thank you very much, Sarah. Seasoned journalist, it, it does sort of sound as I'm a bit spicy, but basically it means you're fairly old. Yes. Now, well, let's go for the spicy because I'm going to, uh, we're going to cover a subject that is very, shall we say, spicy. Um, and I can't think of anyone to, to do it better with at the moment. And obviously it has revolved around the, the uh, what I consider is generally appalling mainstream media coverage of the Israel Hamas war, um, and I wanted to put a couple of co- sort of examples to you and get you to comment on them, uh, particularly as one of your substantial uh, work areas has been the training of uh, journalists. Um, just to look. At a start at the international scene, um, I am, I don't know, I, I think we all get pretty annoyed when we watch what I call these pretty little things sitting there quizzing Israeli um, guests or people speaking on behalf of Israel, and you get a sort of tendency to interrupt questions. There's a, there's a tone of condescension. They clearly don't know much about anything. So whatever they think they know, if the guest doesn't answer it immediately and suitably, they find another question and then they dismiss the uh, the guest almost as if, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Am I the only one who feels this way about it? We see it CNN, we see it Sky News. No, I think I feel very much um, that way. Um, I think very often we can't even blame the the pretty heads and by that I mean both male and female. Um, because they have producers also shouting in their ears. Um, so it does depend where the producer is wanting to take this show and the agenda perhaps that the producer may have, however unconscious uh, it may be, although I, I really doubt that it's totally unconscious. People all come from a direction. But I think, you know, that one of the questions people fail to ask, I think, very often is, you, you know, you can ask someone a question, then they respond. You can then ask them, why do you say that? And that allows them to give their evidence right. why they say something. Too often it's kind of just a flat-out statement and nobody is questioning that. Why? On what do you base that? And then it gives whatever person you are interviewing the chance to kind of justify their opinion mm. or their their statement. And I think, you know, it's a very basic thing. Why is one of the questions, but we don't ask it enough. Mm. 
Mm. No, no, they, they, they don't at all. Um, I mean, I, I saw perhaps to, to have a, uh, perhaps I can give you an example. Um, so I'm just trying to find my space, but it's, not kind of offhand, but it's, 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 it's that ability to somehow not get that side of the view uh, across. And then there's also the point of view, I mean, of just the sheer, I don't know what, um, let me give you an example, just Kay Burley on Sky News. And she said, I was speaking to a hostage negotiation negotiator this morning, and he made the comparison between the 50 hostages that Hamas has promised to release as opposed to the 150 prisoners that are Palestinian that Israel has said it will release. And he made the comparison between the numbers and the fact that Israel does not think Palestinian valued lives are valued as highly as Israeli lives. And that was the sort of question for comment uh, that she put to yes. Israeli government spokesman, Alan Levy. And he actually went wide-eyed and his jaw dropped. And his answer was, yes. Israel doesn't want to set free any prisoners. And the only reason Palestinian terrorists have been released is to secure the release of innocent kidnapped women and children. It was gobsmacking. That, that's a confrontational uh, thing. Um, that's immediately before you're actually trying to get the information out of somebody, you're confronting with them with what others say. Now, that can come at some later stage um, once you've picked apart a thing. Mm. But really, you know, it's these confrontational things which are – I'm not quite sure where the information uh, part of journalism is in mm. that kind mm. of thing. It's the whole what I call the, the CNN legacy because CNN mm. gave us 24-hour news. We now conduct it as some sort of um, – so it's a soapy. It has to have ups and downs and fights and and confrontations all along. But instead, mm. it should be informing people. And I think that's why a lot of people um, have lost faith in the news. Um, they don't like this way of doing news. They want information that's going to enable them to make a proper decision um, about where they stand. And they're not getting it because it's already confrontational and it's very often coming from a very one-sided um, point of view or a very inadequately uh, informed point of view. Mm. Mm. Yeah, know, no, journalists always have to be experts on everything, and they aren't. Um, <laughs> they have to rely on producers. Um, right. And if they're not experts, they should actually sit there and ask questions that will enable them to become experts. Mm. Mm. And um, for the public. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I found the example I wanted was Samantha Washington on Sky News. And she asked the uh, um, military man who was, who was on the show for the IDF if the IDF had achieved its objectives. And as he explains that the operation is advancing according to IDF plan without a time limit, she said, she then literally said, learner had to admit that they haven't achieved when asked if the IDF has achieved its objectives. Um, I mean, it was just, it was just, you know, as, as, as a sort of Israel watcher, you kind of sat there and thought, I'm going to kill this person if I could. Well, I can, I can well understand that because I also, um, you know, I, people who've, who've watched this, could we, could we say conflict? Um, mm. This is a, an inflamed conflict into a war, but, mm. 
there's been conflict for a long time. And there's a, a history of statements before. There's a history of actions before. Um, that kind mm. of context is being left out of this discussion. I mean, the tunnels are not a new invention that the Israelis suddenly, <laughs> yes, exactly. you know, discovered that there were tunnels. We've mm. known about it and we've known about it through various sources, including, you know, CIA spies and all sorts of other people, the nefarious people who move around um, the Middle East. And, you know, there's so many other things. We've seen instances in which people's lives have been exposed, people from Hamas, people from mm. the PLA. It's, you know, they have been exposed, so there needs to be a level of um, skepticism in everything that people say, um, mm. you know, both from the Israeli side as well, which is, is riven by by a conflict, a political conflict inside the country at the moment mm. and and even before um, October the 7th. So people are informed by the various political positions they come from and journalists need to be sceptical about that and need, mm. you know, really to check things out but also look in context. And I think the context has been left out. It's as if for some people, <laughs> you know, the Israel-Gaza situation has only – especially the protesters in the streets who seem mm. to know little, if nothing, nothing. about the mm. background to anything of this. I mean, there was a person interviewed on the street protesting in the U.S., I believe, flag, waving a Palestinian flag around, um, shouting, um, you know, from the the mountains um, <laughs> to the sea. And when asked which mountains, she was somewhat perplexed. She really didn't answer that, but she knew that, you know, it's quite a nice slogan and you could wave a, a flag around. Um, mm. But one wonders why these people are so ignorant and is it the media's fault? I believe yeah. to a large extent it is. Yeah. But if I can go on to perhaps the most hein for me, what is one of the most heinous elements of reporting? And it, as you allude to, the one is the, well, I've seen the tunnels, but they, the Israelis claim they're tunnels type of reporting, um, that's popular on BBC and CNN. Um, but what's really, I think the example that is the most telling was the bomb that fell in the car park at the Al-Hari hospital. Um, put out immediately in a situation that usually takes hours to get any clarity on. Um, everyone who is anyone ran with the fact that the Israelis had bombed this hospital and killed 500 people. And by the time anyone pretty much on the big, in the big names was prepared to acknowledge that Israel hadn't bombed it, it was an, a, an errant um, Palestinian Islamic Jihad bomb. It had landed in the car park. All the evidence pointed to it. Um, not sure how many people were killed, but if it was in the tens, it was a lot. And all the rubble was removed very quickly, so it couldn't be investigated. But the damage had been done. And you still see kind of references to it. It's almost as if it's like, well, we've been corrected on the hospital thing, but, you know, it's so good. We, we'll sort of include the sense of it in. And Israel is stuffed. I mean, they, they, they can't come out from it. It doesn't matter what evidence they prove. So they've almost through that particular early example, set the tone of, yes. of where I mean, making a denial is uh, for any politician or anyone really to, exactly. to deny is, is you're on the back foot immediately. But I mean, there's been even more discussion now. We've come things of, um, the, the actual number of casualties. Now, 
I have no way of knowing what the actual mm. number is. And people are now saying at least, you know, the Hamas controlled, um, um, health department is issuing these <laughs> statements, which is a good thing. Just as you say, this is what the IDF is saying. And they may be, the IDF may be delayed in announcing the amount of, uh, casualties it has. I think I did hear a figure recently that there was, um, you know, there were a high amount of injuries, uh, certainly. Mm. Um, but I look, I look at the footage I'm seeing and I'm seeing it coming from, you know, propaganda and co, which is pro Palestine. Mm. And I'm seeing it come from other places and I'm wondering why are there so many men walking around <laughs> and they never seem to be killed? Mm. I mean, this is just things that ordinary people look at. Mm. Um, I think, and you know, ordinary watches, and then I look at it too, and I go, there's a question here. Why are there so many men around? Why are we not hearing about their deaths? Of course, they're going to be. That's a generalization. But the numbers are mm. always seem to be complete. Now, there are a lot mm. of children in Gaza as well. Mm. But one needs mm. to examine all of this. Why, when I see someone being delivered to a hospital now, I think there was a rumor that the major Hamas leader was being delivered to a hospital, and there were videos of people actually being um, battened back from from the arrival point. The video is questionable um, mm. because it's got some discrepancies in it, but they're nothing but men. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wish they were actually keeping the women and, and children safe in the tunnels, but I don't think this is the case. <laughs> no. Well, in fact, just related to that, the, one of these pretty young things was grilling Mark Regev, who, who's the spokesman for, for the prime minister. Now, whatever one may feel, Mark is a very, very seasoned interviewee, very seasoned. And she did all the stuff, all the stuff we've talked about, and you could see him pushing his glasses on, you know, higher up his nose. And I think if it were me, I would probably have been bouncing off the walls because she she was, I mean, she made his life a misery. But when she raised the question of the numbers and he just managed to say, when this is over and we have an accurate tally, I am prepared to bet that the number of people killed will be lower in the sense that the majority of people killed will have been Hamas operatives. Or, or people who've assisted Hamas operatives. He at least got that in, and she ended the interview. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it exactly goes to your point. I mean, who on earth is going to only accept information from Hamas's health ministry? Surely yes, no, there's the, got to be the thumb level, even if you, as I say, if you, if, if you support the Palestinian side, surely there's got to be, well, let's get another view on this. Uh, yes, the, the thing is, the, a view is very difficult in the kind of um, environment where people are threatened for giving different views, which mm. is why, you know, one has to be suspect in a place that is not free. Um, mm. A place that is not free because uh, it, it uses violence against people if they speak out against it, a place that hasn't had elections. You have to look at, at yes. where the, the people are and they they don't have the freedom to counter that. Um, mm. Other people don't have the freedom to go in and get unbiased information. This is not a transparent country that you know ru- mm. goes by democracy. So you're of course not going to get things easily, which is why they often also employ people who are perhaps um, Hamas um, 
oriented stringers, people who are on the ground acting for media are in there. Um, they've got good networks. They speak the language. What are their networks? Their networks are access to power, access mm. to the people in control. They mm. will naturally have some sort of bias in them because that's where they are. People who are usually always very um, iffy about employing on the people on the ground in, in another country because they use them just as stringers because they don't know where they're coming from or what agenda they may have. Um, and I think people are very much hostage to, to, to use a bad phrase in the situation, yes. <laughs> hostage to that kind of situation. Where, where, you know, you, you're having to rely on people in that area who are in fact intimidated by, by the ruling elite. And that may go for, to a certain degree in Israel as well, but Israel does have, um, all the machinations and, and SOEs and uh, NGOs that watch this kind of thing. In fact, it's under such a microscope that you would, uh, hardly think they would dare do anything wrong, um, because it is eternally watched by by everybody, um, which is also one of the things, the skews in this whole story, um, that in fact there is bias and has been bias for some years against mm. Israel because the majority of those people with, with on mainstream media and that appear to um, be somewhat, sus- you know, suspicious of mm. Israel for every, you know, sus- they come up with a lot of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Just come well. Sorry, um, I'm going to take a break and then come back to the local scene. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, um, Paddy. I want to look at the local scene a bit. I mean, a, a lot of the reporting in the in the, the certainly the, the the big media, even if it's not, uh, um, even if it's not mainstream, it can be you know entirely internet based. Um, but there's generally been a kind of, if the, if Hamas reports something, it happened. And if Israel reports something, it is claimed to have happened. So that's the general tenor of a lot of what we get. But I want to raise two specific issues. And the first one is, uh, I don't know, press a media release put out by SANIF, the South African National Editors Forum. First, can I ask you what SANIF does? Uh, SANIF, um, Looks at, it's supposed to look at the interests of, of editors. It's an uh, editor's forum and mm. it is supposed to sort of preserve, uh, freedom of speech. It's supposed to, um, ensure ethics. It's, uh, for the good of, of newspapers, journalism, editorial units effectively. So it's not driven by management. It's driven supposedly by, by the editors itself. Uh, what are the concerns for them at that mm. time? And I said, a lot. It's supposed to do a lot of training and everything as well for a better standard and quality. Okay. Well, let's have a look at how they interpret this. Um, but basically they cons- express concerns that, and I quote, at least 42 journalists and media workers were among the more than 13,000 killed in Gaza since the war began on October 7th. It actually didn't begin. Yes, it did. Okay. With over 11,000 Palestinian deaths in Gaza and the West Bank and 1,200 deaths in Israel. And the, the 1,200 deaths in Israel comes at the end like kind of yeah, a few little deaths in Israel. And then it goes on to say that it's deeply concerned at the ongoing carnage in Gaza and the fact that CPJ and Reporters Without Borders believe, 
believe the Israeli military is deliberately targeting journalists who tell the, who tell the true story of events in Gaza. Um, and, and then, and then goes on. Let's just go to that. First of all, they're reporting NGOs that while they may do good work, um, are certainly n- not neutral. And they believe that the Israeli military is deliberately targeting journalists. And you would have thought, I would have thought anyway, that the SANEF would check with it, with more info whether the Israeli military is deliberately targeting journalists. But that, that is a long running narrative that's been built up over the years. Um, where, where every uh, sort of journalist who dies has been attacked when, certainly when it comes to the, the Israel-Palestine conflict. That's been it. Mm. I mean, I can speak from the fact that uh, my father was killed in a war. Um, he was a journalist killed in that war. He had no weaponry with him and he was shot dead in a Congo, um, in a Congo ambush. Um, because he was traveling embedded with, with some people who were going to, um, take part in the war, the mercenaries who were involved in the Congo at the time. Um, that is collateral damage. Mm. That is what happens in war. Mm. Um, it is unfortunate, but journalists do place themselves and are walking around in a war where other people would very sanely go and hide or get the hell out of uh, uh, Dodge City, you know. So, (laughs) and that's, you know, one does question why more people don't just get the head, the hell out of Dodge City and go through the rough uh, border post and exit into Egypt and whatever. So, um, you know, I, I just think people are overly, Convinced that everyone is aiming at journalists. Yes, there mm. are deliberate attempts to assassinate journalists. There are some horrible sort of repressive laws being used against journalists. But in a war situation, journalists are going to get hit. You cannot mm. make a broad statement like that. Mm. The CPJ, mm. I hope, will investigate the situation. But I think it's extremely difficult to target them. Of course, if they're embedded with Hamas, and there appear to be some who were at some yeah. stage, certainly on October the 7th, um, yeah. riding on motorbikes. Um, if they're embedded, then they are likely to get hurt if people are aiming at Hamas. Mm, um, exactly. If they are, you know, amongst the population, they are as likely to get hurt as all the, the women and children. So I think one has to be very cautious on that because yeah. um, I cannot believe and I never want to believe that a democracy will deliberately um, aim at journalists. Now, you may say I'm being naive, but I really don't think mm. people are inherently evil. They believe <laughs> evil things, but they're not yeah. inherently evil. So yeah. I do always like people to just sort of, there's some restraint, deaths happen in war. The idea of the sensitive war that everyone can have where we stop every five minutes and everybody mm. goes around delivering water and fuel and electricity to people um, is rather bizarre to me but I think mm. it's part of our, our sort of overly human rights culture in a way yes, which has yes. become you know where people can't even face the brutal realities of life and of yeah. war um, and they expect it all to be conducted like some sort of video game Yeah, um, and it's not well, a video game well, that's, I think that's part of the problem is that we have so many people and literally across the 
spectrum, professionals, journalists, otherwise, who you see these images until that you, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's a, it's a combination. It's not a, it, it's just, you see images of children and women and suffering. You certainly don't see the Israeli stuff, which is probably for another program, but they're in their, um, they're in their, their missive, their media release, whatever they call it. We also call on all journalists and editors dealing with reports from this region to be conscious always of the historical context and to take care of the terminology used in reports. It is not the role of German journalists to justify, support or condemn any group or the actions groups undertake. Journalists should merely provide all the facts available and place all the events in as full a context as possible. I think we can safely say, and we're about to go to a break and I'll pick it up, we can safely say that there's a lot of that that surely hasn't been done. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Patty, I just want to look at one example, and I'm using them as an example, not because... Sorry. Sarah, can I, can I pick up on, on that one? You yes, know, please. That, that, please. That, that, the that context, comment at the end. Yeah. Well, the context that was missing to a degree, uh, right at the beginning on that. Now that's the good catch all phrase at the end. That's exactly what one should try to do, bearing in mind that it's impossible to be completed yes. because you can't get all the facts. But the context was missing at the top. And that is the context that has been missing in so much of all of the media that's gone out is, mm. There was an aggressive act perpetrated against mm. a people or mm. a country's people, civilians, mm. and that needs to be acknowledged in almost every statement mm. about mm. why this war came about. I mean, mm. in Ukraine and that we have, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine. There, mm. that's a fact. Mm. Um, there was this war started because of a certain act. There wasn't an ongoing war. There was ongoing conflict, but there wasn't mm. a war before that. And in fact, Israel hasn't been in Gaza uh, as, as a governing body for uh, an awful long time. Um, mm. So that context, which is continually left out of the discussion mm. and not referred to, like the rapes were not referred to. Oh, that's, that has a, been that's another discussion. <laughs> yeah, that has permeated everything. And the very least that journalists should do is acknowledge that fact, mm. that it mm. did happen. And anyone who says it didn't happen because it came out on Telegram, it was put on video by the mm. people themselves who were who were doing these acts, um, mm. needs to be acknowledged. And I think that's part of the hurt in Israel is mm. this kind of denial that this happened. Mm. And well, th- you can argue the rights, that, you know, the pro-Palestinian or pro-Hamas then can say, this is why we did that aggressive act, but they cannot make it go away. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if, if let me put it this way. I think worse than denial is those in the West, and uh, I'll, I'll just mention a, a, a wonderful article by Brendan O'Neill on Spiked on this issue, is they don't deny it, but they try and minimize it. And so what you end up with is a kind of, um, yes, but we didn't actually have footage of the actual rape, blah, blah, blah. And I, my my sort of, Analogy to that, um, and is it's a bit like saying, 
um, we, we know that people were gassed in gas chambers in between, in the second world war, but there wasn't any footage of inside the gas chamber when these people died horribly. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm overstating it, but uh, I kind of, I was trying to think of a way to, to not diminish, you, you know, people because these people are out there saying, well, you know, we haven't exactly got the footage of, of you know, et cetera, et cetera. The balance of probabilities, unless you are a conspiracy theorist, is that it happened because how are you going to have, you know, created so many either AI images, got it so out so brilliantly, um, you know, got so many people to lie in their testimony, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, the balance of probabilities has to be used here. Um, the, the judgment calls based on what you have known over time or the context has to be used here. And, um, you know, this is not a, a sudden kind of behavior thing. It's, it's, it's been recorded in other places. So, you know, this is, this is the problem for me that, mm. that, that people do not sort of look at something and say, could this have been a conspiracy? Um, mm. And not highly likely unless, you know, so mm. they've got to start saying, I believe them because we believe women who simply say 25 years later mm. that they were raped. Mm. Um, mm. We do believe all the women in Germany who said they were raped by mm. the Red exactly. Army the coming Red Army. across. It took them 20 years to say it too, because it's not something you always want to talk about right after. And there mm. are many rape survivors who never talk about it. Mm. Um, mm. But it's amazing how we have always just gone for everybody and believed them the minute mm. they say, and it's only two people who could ever give evidence on it, and we believe them mm. in the Me Too thing but why mm. don't we you know the balance of probabilities is yes that this did, did happen, happen and these people mm. are speaking the truth mm. now i think that is probably one of the most dangerous things that we have to confront in dealing with in, in seeing what the how the media responds um there's no doubt there's no doubt about it um I, I, we're probably going to run out of time but i just wanted to raise quickly the fact that these um you know, there's so much reporting um, that is very much once, uh, you know, f- f- on, on the pro-Palestinian side. Opinion making. I mean, even only talking about opinion making, never mind the, the ordinary journalism. And that's fine in and of itself. But a lot of it, um, the oh no, sorry, let me go back a bit. It, it, just to say that the neutral stuff is 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 on a much smaller scale, um, and they. The, we have experienced refusal to publish stuff that actually put facts about some of the background to this dispute being, in my case, the the propaganda of the last 30 years that has been pumped out that is virulently anti-Semitic on Palestinian Authority and Hamas Authority um, t- media, whether it be television, radio, Newspapers, etc. So, but unfortunately, we do. I'm, I'm going to sort of literally make that statement. I, I can't, unfortunately, ask Paddy to comment because we run out of time. But I think there are many things we can still talk about, and I suspect I'll be bringing you back sooner rather than later. Thank you so much, Paddy. Okay, thank you. Romance of liberation. There we have it. <laughs>